What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, hosted by your two favorite youth pastors, Kyle and Derek, who every day are learning how not to be a youth pastor. Derek, how are you doing today? I did not learn today how not to be a youth pastor yet. So you're saying the lesson is still coming? That's correct. At some point. Which is scary. Is it is it kind of terrifying? Like you're waiting for something to happen where you yeah. the light bulb goes off and you're like, oh, could have done that better. Like when I, before we hit record, I messed up Kyle's groove. And so we had quite the embarrassing outtake. And so maybe maybe that's my lesson is don't, don't, don't break throw something off my that's groove. not broken. Yeah. That's true. Great I had reference. a great meeting this morning. Uh, with a local director for FCA, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I was, we, we met at Caribou at 8 a.m. Uh, for those of you on the East or West Coast, Caribou is the Minnesota version of Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. Which is an inferior. I have no opinion because I've never had coffee before. Let me just say their water is way less <laughs> good. Way but less see, good. here's the deal. Starbucks got rid of their smoothies, which is the only thing that I ever get when I go to a coffee shop, and Caribou still has theirs. So Caribou gets that vote, in uh, in my opinion. But I was five minutes late and went to the wrong Caribou. Whoops. So I ended up being like 15 minutes late. So you talk about you know f- good first impressions. That was yeah. that was how not to be a youth pastor today for me. Well, and then and then you roll into a coffee shop and don't order coffee, which you know is is. Actually, I rolled into the second coffee shop and didn't get, I already had a drink in hand and didn't get anything there. But what made it better was that it was still a caribou drink. It was just from a different caribou. Yeah. Which I think is acceptable. I think, I think that's okay. You never want to be the person that like rolls up and sits in the McDonald's booth eating Chipotle. Chipotle. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just a for the record. Move. Chipotle is better than McDonald's. Oh, that nobody was arguing opinion, that. But nobody's arguing that. I don't know how we possibly have our license in in ministry because we don't drink coffee. I think that's almost a requirement. Like it's one of them. The yeah. seventeen fundamental truths. I think number seventeen is must be a coffee connoisseur. The eleventh commandment. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Uh, Derek, quick question of the day: What's the youngest you've ever been mistaken for as a youth pastor? Let me say this. I coach track. Yep. I help um, our local track team. Which by coach track, you basically just mean you stand there and tell kids to run. Uh, I run with them. For the okay, record, that's probably better. For the record. Um, and believe it or not, Kyle, there is technique and form to proper running. You ran track. Yeah, for you the record, I did run track. Yeah. So I, I do know that, well, my coach did zero running. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he was still a very, very good coach. Yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. you're not good, but... Right. Yeah, it's it's all good. I mean, I, I love it. But in any case, at the end of a track meet, for those who are not familiar with track meets, track meets are ungodly long. I mean, it, it is they so, very long. so long. Especially if you're a sprinter, you're like doing about a combined one minute of running for like four hours. And so... Um, naturally when you're done with your events, especially if it's an away meet, you want to go home at the end of the day early. You don't want to wait for the bus and everything else. So parents though have to come and check their students out with the coach. Now the coach would be the guy holding the clipboard who would also be me. You would think. You would think. But I can't tell you how many times that students would go get mom and dad, say, hey, you need to check out with coach. They would bring them to me. They would stand around for a few minutes and then go, where is your coach? And students are like, he's right here. And they will look at me and go, oh, sorry, I just thought you were another student. Now, mind you, I coach middle school track. Nah, there it is. So not only am I their height, not only do I look like them, not only am I wearing the same school apparel that they are, but I definitely, in the eyes of a parent, look like a middle schooler. So I'm going to go with 14 or 15. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I, I'll admit I, I wasn't during, during the last portion, uh, when you were describing what parents see you as, uh, I wasn't really listening. I was just waiting to talk. Uh, did you mention that you're the same height as they are? I did mention okay, that, cool. but I'm glad to know you too. I just out. really, <laughs> well, I really wanted to make sure that that got emphasized. Uh, no, I, you're like so what, there an are inch times, and a half taller than I am. So thank you. I don't thank know. You How, for, <laughs> I'm like five, nine and a half. Yeah. Five ten on a really good day. I'm five nine, so yeah, about an yeah. inch. Yeah, <laughs> but 
It counts. It does count. Uh, I there there are there were times, especially early on, it, as a youth pastor, where you can use it to your advantage. Oh, you hundred uh, percent can. I remember going to basketball games of students, and I there was one time I sat in the adjacent section to the student section. And I definitely had many conversations with students in the student section and like get involved in cheers that they were doing and all of this other stuff. And then they like three quarters of the way through the game, they figure out that I'm, you know, in my twenties and I'm a youth pastor and not in high school. And, and the light bulb kind of goes off like, wait, what? Um, so I don't, I don't know that it, I've ever been mistaken. Like I'm probably 16, I, I would say is the youngest that somebody ever thought that I was my favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite thing is for those who've been following along and know me, um, married and have two kids. Sure. So what's really fun is when, um, I'm walking into the school every day, like I normally do. And people assume I'm a student. I've, I've been te- like faculty in this school have been wondering why I'm wandering the halls before class is over. <laughs> and I'm like, I show them my badge and they go, Oh, I'm sorry. But my favorite thing is when I walk in with my two kids and they're just like floored. Yep. I mean, like even like to a couple of weeks ago, we had um, a group come into our church who was utilizing our building for something and they didn't know me. And so um, they, I had both my kids like walking and crawling around as I just got stuff turned on. And they walked in there and go, whose, whose kids are these? Where is their parents? And I'm like, <laughs> they're mine. And they go, oh my gosh, I didn't even think you were old enough to have kids. And so it's fun. I love to blend in. It's just, it's, yep. it has its advantages. So that's true. That's a, <laughs> that's always fun. Uh, but anyways, today, Derek and I are talking about age. Uh, and, and we are talking about one of the most common, if not the most common, uh, rebuttal that, that we get if we ever have a conversation with uh, somebody in our church about being in youth ministry. And, and the number one thing that we hear is, I am too old for youth ministry. I'm, I'm too old to be involved. Uh, typically, that's accompanied with, I'm not cool enough, uh, which is really just a cultural way of saying that you're too old yep. or that you think you're too old. And uh, what we want to talk about today is kind of dispelling the myth uh, that that somebody is too old for ministry now, or for youth ministry. There are other factors that might eliminate you from youth ministry, namely, you're not called to it. You don't have the character that matches. Sure. Uh, and we'll dive into that later in the episode, but I, I want to talk about some of the some of the different age demographics we're we're literally going to dive into every single age demographic you could possibly be as a uh, as a youth volunteer and you know youth pastors listening to this episode uh, you know, I would I would challenge you to diversify uh, if you can you know there's value to a financial portfolio that's diversified. There's value to your leadership team in your ministry being diversified and having all age ranges represented at that because students are going to, you know, connect with, with those adults differently Uh, for adult volunteers and, you know, really anybody other than youth students that might be listening to this, you know, my challenge to you would be to keep an open mind. Don't dispel or don't, uh, don't disqualify yourself from doing youth ministry just because uh, of your age or the season of life that that you're in. I think it's so cool to see when you when you do a deep study of the 12 disciples, their occupation, their general age, their marital status. I mean it is it's it's all over the place. You have you have guys like Luke who were educated, doctors, very intelligent, then you have James, John, Peter, those the fishermen who were more yep. of the blue collar workers at the time, and we see that all of the twelve, including Judas, who would go on to betray him, played a role. I mean, they all by by good or bad, they all played a role in what Jesus was doing. And you know how cool that that's the model that's set before us. I mean, the reality is, uh, my wife and I have this conversation all the time. 
Kyle and I, before we hit record, we're talking about fantasy football in excess of 30 minutes before we even got to any business here this <laughs> afternoon. That's true. That conversation yeah. went way longer it, it than did, it should have. But it was fun. But like, but that's my, like we are, we love athletics. We love sports. We love that. We have students in our ministry that could care less, but they love more abstract things. They love things that Kyle and I aren't great at. And so my point I'm trying to make is age included there are things in your life as a potential youth leader that are going to be able to be utilized by God to minister to a student, regardless of your age, your upbringing, your personality. And so, you know, as, as we go through this, I think we're going to try and put light onto those things as to here are some of the things that we can, that can really add value to a youth ministry purely based on your age. Yeah. And with each one of these two, we are going to bring up, uh, you know, maybe one of the hurdles that is that is common in each of these age demographics. Uh, one one of the things that oh, th- this might be as a youth pastor, this might be something to watch for, or as a youth leader, this might be something to guard yourself against, uh, or or just a reality uh, to be aware of. It might you know, there's a couple I can think of on our list here that. It, it's not necessarily something that you need to prevent or avoid. It's unavoidable. You just have to be aware of it. And I think that you know, with all of these, like there's at the end of the day, there's no age demographic of, of volunteer that is unfit for youth ministry. The trick that I have found and that I think Derek has found as well is that the, the trick is recognizing where you're at and being okay with that. You know, if you try to act younger or older than you are, students will turn you off in about 1.5 seconds. I think it you said there's 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 nothing bad. I would say on the flip side, there's also not one demographic that's better than the other. Sure. You know, yeah. I think I think that's important to stipulate too because you might be in the spot of where it's like I know I'm not too old, but this person is better because they are younger or older. And so to your point, I think it's all the more important to realize if you are being asked, it's because God's either stirring the heart of the youth pastor or you or both. And it's because God desires to use you in your current season with your current life circumstances. And instead of trying to disqualify that, maybe lean into that. Right. Absolutely. So let's go ahead, dive into, uh, to some of these different age demographics. Uh, and the first, the first age demographic we're splitting in two. And I know that this episode is I'm too old for youth ministry, but these first two, uh, they might think of themselves as too young yeah. for youth ministry. And that would be uh, students in kind of that 18 to 22 range recently graduated. The first group that I want to look at here, Derek, are recently graduated students from your own ministry. So these are the students that have, you know, been through your youth group, graduated high school, and now they want to come back. And there is a lot of benefits to this. You know, these students, a lot of times already have connections with the younger students. And so if you just graduate as, as a senior, there might be juniors, sophomores, and freshmen that are now moving up the chain that you can come along. They know you already. There's already a relationship there. And this now older student can come along and help foster that growth. They also know you as the youth pastor. They know the culture. They know the systems. They know what your youth ministry looks like. And so they're able to come in and add their value to something that's already established. Right. And the onboard process might be a little bit faster with a student like that because, you know, I can think of some of the mission teams or or convent if you if your youth ministry goes to a convention or a camp every year. If, if a student graduates from your ministry and comes back as a leader, they have likely been a part of that probably several times. And so if you brought them to that convention, that conference, that camp as a leader, you know, yes, there's going to be some aspects where uh, the leadership side of it is new to them, but some of the systems that are in place, some of the schedules that they they already can anticipate what's coming next because they've been through it before as a student, and that can be very uh, that can be very helpful. Um, they you know they they probably have some connections with students, uh, and so that that aids them in building relationships. But they also might have connections that can bring younger students into your ministry. Uh, and so there, there's a lot of pros 
that that can come with a recently graduated student, uh, you know, plugging back in as a leader in your ministry. Uh, but there's also, you know, one one big red flag uh, that that I have seen in students, and that is the danger of bringing them back as a leader too quickly and blurring the line between leader and student where it almost acts like a glorified student and and they struggle to really take a hold of that leadership role. Yeah, because again, odds are at this stage of their life, they're older, they're out of high school, but there's a solid chance they have people younger than them that so I think of I think of camp, right? If you bring if you bring now a freshman in college or a recently graduated student with you to camp, and all of a sudden now they get to go into their buddy's cabin, hang out. They can stay up late. They can't get in trouble because they're a leader and there is no curfew. All of a sudden now you're having issues with your leader who's also kind of identifying as a student. Right. And I don't want to speak for your ministry, Derek, but I do not have rules in my ministry that says that students cannot be friends with students that are younger than them. I encourage uh, <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, I think I think every youth ministry would encourage that. Yeah. But then what happens is when I graduate, I still have friends, yep. sometimes really good friends that are still in the youth ministry. Yeah. And it, it creates a really tough dynamic for everyone involved because now that leader, your graduated student, is feeling like he wants to be a part of the student thing again. But at the same time, odds are your friend, your younger friend, is not going to look as you as the leader and follow your leadership. They're not going to listen mm-hmm. to it because you're, you're, a year ago you were peers and now there's this weird peer leader relationship. And so, um, you know, as Kyle and I were discussing, some just very basic parameters that can go on board with this. If you have someone who graduates, maybe considering or maybe consider sitting them out for a short period, six months. If they graduate in May or June, you know, hang out with them this summer, pour into them, but then don't necessarily bring them back into your ministry until January of that following year. So six months off just to, you know, if you're worried about discipleship or pouring into them, you can figure out other ways to do that. Other very basic things that, you know, are just standards for Kyle and I is, if you are going to bring back a graduated student, a recently graduated student, put them in charge of the junior high students yep. or younger because yep. it creates that natural separation, that natural leader peer relationship that is much easier for students to follow versus if there's only like one or two years of a gap. Right. And, you know, I've had conversations with students every once in a while because we have multiple. Uh, I'll t- I'll use our senior high girls as an example. We have three different connect groups uh, that we break our students out into with our senior high girls. And every once in a while, I'll get a student that is like, hey, you know, I, I was wondering if I could switch groups because, you know, I have this one friend that is in that group. Now, sometimes, you know, this is where wisdom comes into play. Sometimes it's, you know, yeah, let, you know, no problem. Let's yeah. switch groups. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, wise to push back on that a little bit because it's, well, you guys can still be friends. This is a 15 minute period once a week that we're talking about here. Like it doesn't mean you, if you guys are in different groups, it doesn't mean you can't talk to each other. And I think that the same thing goes, uh, for students that come back as leaders. Like we're not telling you, you cannot be friends (laughs) with, with these other students in our ministry, but there is, there is a line that has to be drawn where for this period of time each week, uh, or or whenever you are assuming this role as a youth leader, you have to view yourself as a youth leader in conjunction with any other label that you want to put on. Like this person is my friend, whatever. Yep, yep. And those are all things and, and conversations. Obviously, we are assuming you will have with them prior. And so, you know, if they want to come back, I think it's as a youth pastor, it's your obligation to have that candid conversation, you know, yeah, I would love for you to be a part of our ministry and and have some leadership, but just know this is our expectation and this is what we're going to be watching for. Yeah. And I don't know that we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but having a 
period of time, like when I, when I bring volunteers onto our team, there's about a four week period involved in the process where yeah. they, they start volunteering. And then I meet back up with them after about four weeks and just kind of check in one to ask them, Hey, is this still something that, that you're interested in is, you know, now that you're in it, it does, you know, what do you think? Yeah. But also to ask them, or, or to kind of check in with me and say like, Hey, this is, this is kind of a grace period after four weeks, I might say, you know what, this isn't working. And yep. this, for this age demographic, this might be something to watch for, uh, in that period. Yeah, absolutely. And I think along with this, you also have, so maybe, maybe it's not, they just graduated and just come back, but also within that 18 to 22 year old age, you have like the area college kids. You have the mm-hmm. kids who are in your area, whether they grew up and were born and raised here, or maybe, you know, depending where you are, maybe they're here for school and they're from somewhere else, but they loved their youth ministry back at home. They loved being a part of something. And so they're sitting here going, I want to be a part of pouring into the neighborhood youth ministry. They come to you, Kyle, what are some of the things you've seen that are good about that? And maybe some of the red flags. Yeah. And the biggest difference here is that these kids didn't grow up uh, in your youth ministry. And so, you know, they're going to walk in as a leader and have, have a little bit more authority over the older kids in your ministry than a recently graduated student from your ministry would have because the younger students remember that your student as a high schooler, uh, they're meeting this area college kid for the first time as a college kid or a young adult in that 18 to 22 range. Uh, And so the older, the older kids don't have that prior relationship with them and it takes very, very little for students to see you as cool in this, in yeah. this specific demographic. You're, you're going to college. You have, you, you just kind of have that college swagger. I mean, I know it's a weird word, but it's, you just, you carry that about you. You know, I think especially as middle schoolers and high schoolers, you look at college and you just go, it seems so grown up. It seems so awesome to be a part of a college campus, a college experience. And so here walks in this college student they see this could be my future going forward. And it's like, man, that guy's legit or that girl's legit. Right. And you could see, you know, every, every once in a while you'll see, uh, you know, kind of a cross between these two where it's, it's somebody who didn't grow up in your youth ministry, but they're, they're, they're new to the area, but they're not necessarily in college. Uh, I'd lump them in here. Like this is really that, that college age, kid that is walking in to volunteer with your youth ministry that didn't grow up there. Um, but speaking specifically to those college kids, you know, one of the, uh, and, and again, I mentioned not all of these red flags are things you actively want to avoid. Right. Uh, one of the things to keep in mind with these college kids is the fact that they are on a college schedule. And so depending on where, like Derek and I are both in the Minneapolis area here in Minnesota, uh, if you have a college student in, in Minneapolis that is from Seattle, yeah. they're probably going home over Thanksgiving. They're probably going home over Christmas. They're probably, they, they might be going home over the summer. And so you, uh, newsflash, if they're home in Seattle, they can't be a youth leader here. Yep. You know, it's a, there's gonna, there might be seasons uh, where of, of absence for them. And, and it's not, you know, that, that happens. That's what being a college student is you just have to be aware of that and, and work around that a little bit as a youth pastor. Right. And, and and that's that's when they're physically gone. We also have to realize that they got finals, they got midterms that are going to require yep. their utmost devotion, their utmost attention. And so it's they might be swamped like as if they're if they're a junior or senior in nursing school, they have a lot of stuff where they're going out and they have Oof. weird wonky hours and so um, yeah, you're going to get kids that have to do clinicals yeah, or right. student teaching or... And so as a youth pastor, I think your response has to be one of grace. Yep. Like, especially if they're, if they're adding active value, even if they're not, be civil, be nice. Like, understand that you getting behind a caution and empowering them to chase their dreams, do what God's called them to do, is an extension of your pastoral leadership. And so... Don't come down on them when they are busy and they do have stuff, but right. And and those kids too, they have energy. Yep. That I think that, and, and this is sometimes it's coffee 
powered energy, yep. but it's energy or, or energy drink powered energy, but co- area college kids. And, and this goes for recently graduated students too, but those college kids are going to bring in a, an energy that yep. your students are going to be attracted to. Yep. Uh, and, and, and they're, they're a Swiss knife for you as a leader because they are, they are young enough to jump in with the students and interact with them, but old enough for them to relate to you and the youth leaders to know what we're here doing. And so yeah. they are, I say all that to say there is so much value in having area college kids. So this is my opinion. I'm sure you'd say the same, but feel free to to chime in. I if not. will feel free to disagree. I know you love to disagree with me. It's just part of the gig. I would much rather have an area college kid on a more unpredictable basis than not having them at all. Oh, for sure. And so like... Dang it, I can't disagree with that. I, know, I really wanted to. I know. So like, I really with all of these, like you said, I think it's important to reiterate, these quote unquote red flags are not disqualifications. They're more so just be aware of them so you can figure out potential solutions. Right. Absolutely. Um, so number three, uh, category number three, fictional volunteer number three. I don't know. Uh, this, this category work, we're calling this one, the young adults category. Uh, and we are not, we are intentionally not differentiating between single and married in this category. Obviously there are nuances that are going to be different for both of those. But this is from 21 to 22 up through maybe 30. But with the one distinction in this category being they don't have kids. Yeah. Uh, You know, that, that kind of is its own category, uh, you know, for, for us as, as youth pastors. And I think that these young adults uh, one of the advantages they have is is they can kind of be looked at as older siblings yep. of youth students, and you know this is true of the college kids as well. But you know this young adults demographic, especially students, want freedom. You know they they want to be out from under the rule, the evil rule of their parents, dun, dun, dun. Uh, and you guys represent that. You represent that freedom where you guys go grocery shopping, and if you want to buy fruit gushers, you can buy fruit gushers. Uh, side note: that was one of the most liberating revelations ever. Fruit gushers. When I, Are you when I first me? when I first started buying groceries for myself, and I realized I could actually buy whatever I wanted, that was leveling up in the wor- in the world of adulting. To can me, I tell it was you awesome. Can I tell you something? Absolutely. You want disagreement with me? Are you very, gonna, very oh, no. unpopular opinion? You hate fruit gushers. I hate them. Why? What because did fruit gushers ever do to you? When you bite into them, it's like a little surprise. No, it's 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 <laughs> uncomfortable. It's like what is in my mouth right now? It it is not not ideal. But dude, you're do you do you like uh, any sort of filling in donuts? No, for the same reason. Huh. I just don't like filling. It's just it's. What about like the uh, the like bubble yum? Like no. they, they had the different flavor in the middle. And no. How about the lollipop that has a Tootsie Roll in the middle? Absolutely not. Are you kidding Absolutely me? These not. are classics of childhood. And actually, I don't like the filled donuts, but everything else I just mentioned is money. No, no. I'm, I'm or tra- like, oh my gosh, do you remember those green? We are so far off topic and I don't even I love care. it. I love it. Do you it. remember those green, uh, the, the green apple suckers that had the caramel, uh, caramel in the middle. In the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to dunk on those too. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, Unbelievable. I, 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 I didn't eat those either. I, I don't They're know why. So good. Like actual food. Like, like if you're doing like a stromboli or a calzone, like that gave me that all day long. But in terms of like snack food with, I guess the one, the one thing I can think of that I do love is like the pretzels that have the, the peanut butter in them. That's okay. really good. But other than that, we're not we're not friends anymore. For, for me to try and rate rate, I know. I'm this kinda, is this I'm is the thankful. last this is the last episode of how not to be a youth pastor. I love After it. this, our friendship is out the window. Perfect. It'll, it'll just be professional. Jeez. For us, for us, the liberating part when we got married and we were young adults, like you can go to Taco Bell at eleven o'clock. Oh, amen. And it's no big deal. That is very true. Where were we? Young adults. <laughs> we were young adults. And, 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 but like you said, like you're free. You can, you're free to do what you want. And I think the idea of a 10th grader who's like, I can just go to Taco Bell whenever I want. I can buy fruit. Like it's, 
it's very enticing. And mm-hmm. so they naturally just want to be around you because they want yep. to almost live vicariously through you. I think it's fair yeah. to say. And honestly, this is maybe the dumbest thing on this entire list. I didn't even write it down. I just thought of it now. But when Yikes. I was, when I first started as a youth pastor, I was like, my wife was still uh, in school. Uh, you know, we were not married yet. I lived in a one bedroom apartment and I had students that loved to just come and hang out like in a with one bedroom me, apartment, in a one bedroom apartment. Let's play video games. Let's play board games, watch a yeah. movie, whatever. You know, they just loved to come and hang out at the apartment. And, you know, if you are in this demographic and, you know, maybe it's, oh yeah, like we have this tiny little house or this tiny little apartment, like, you know, we, we can't ever have anybody over. Do not underestimate a youth student's desire to not hang out at their house. Oh, it, 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 it's a, it's a same thing. I mean, we had, we had a, our, our two bedroom apartment and like, I mean, we would cram kids in the living room. Our neighbors would probably hate us because of how loud we got. And like, it was, it was awesome. We just ran down the store, grabbed a thing of donuts and chocolate milk and slammed it. And they thought it was the coolest thing ever. And that's just, along with that, odds are, if you are in this stage, you got a little bit more availability. You're, you're out of college, you're out of trade school, you're out of whatever it is that's demanding your time. Odds are you're working a job, whether it's a, nine to five career job or you're just working somewhere else. But beyond that, you're you you aren't tied down by a ton. You're not doing homework anymore. You're not you're not doing all these things outside of your quote unquote work time. And so you have the availability to pour into students outside of a Wednesday night, on a Wednesday night, the whole gamut. But with that, I think one of the things you got to watch out for is if you are a young adult at the same time, you're chasing your personal dreams, your personal goals. You're following the plan that God has for you. And so odds are, again, this is 21 through 30, that there are exceptions to this rule. But by and large, you are likely working a job that either is not your forever job, it's something just to float you income while you figure that out, or it's a job that has you at the ground level. But as you go through and as you get older, there might be a job opportunity that comes your way hours away states away and you're not going to stick around for your local youth ministry. I mean, you might, but odds hey, are you're not. There are some fantastic opportunities to go from youth leader to unpaid youth leader to also unpaid youth leader. Yes. Like we promote from within. We, we, do. Uh, we do. From unpaid role to unpaid role. And <laughs> but no, you're right and you know the the tenure of yep. these volunteers varies greatly because uh, some of them might, you know, plant their flag uh, in in your ministry, not necessarily in your ministry, but in your town, in your church, uh, or they might be up and halfway across the country in six months. And it doesn't necessarily change uh, your approach as a youth pastor, uh, but I think that, and and maybe with all of your youth leaders, I I view my youth leaders as the same way that I view myself, which is at some point we are all going to be gone. Like none of us are going to be probably in this youth ministry helping out 40 years from now, which means I am preparing my adult volunteers. Like, yes, they are serving now, but I also want to see them grow so that when they step into whatever is next for them, uh, I am setting them up for success. And and this might be a demographic where as a, as a youth pastor, I can hopefully watch them grow and, and help them grow uh, in ways beyond just being a youth leader so that whatever it is that they're stepping into next, they're ready to go and they're prepared for it. And they have your blessing on it too. I think that's another yeah. piece that you're, you're making it clear. Like it's, I'm, not that I'm glad you're leaving, but like I stand behind you 100%. And that brings up just something we have, we I think is important to mention with every demographic that we're going to continue to share, everyone that we've said up to this point. I, I learned this one the hard way. This is one of my how not to be a youth pastor moments because it was... We, we, have a, we, have a, we had a smaller ministry at the time. So the youth leaders consisted of myself, uh, another church staff member, my wife, and this amazing young married couple. 
And I was like, all right, we're good. Like, like, like this is for the, our group. This is a great size. Well, in about a month span, the married couple's like, we want to move back to Georgia. In another month span, they were down in Georgia. And so now I'm sitting here scrambling going, we don't have nearly enough leaders for our group. And so I think it's important, especially with, especially with all of the demographics we've covered up to this point, don't stop looking for future youth leaders just because what you currently have might suffice. Like, yep. Because you, you always, as you're saying, we're all replaceable. We're all going to have stuff that comes up. And so we can't afford to get caught flat-footed. We just need to always be looking out for that other person who might have a call to come help us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before uh, before we move on, you brought up your two-bedroom apartment. Uh-oh. And I don't know if you know this, but I have a really traumatic experience, memory of your of that apartment. Because uh, we knew you guys when you lived there, and uh, I'm wearing a Saints hat today as we record <laughs> this. And... Derek I know and where I, this is going. Derek and I and and some other uh, friends, we used to have a Bible study that we did every Sunday night, and you know it, it wasn't always Bible study. Sometimes it was game night. Sometimes yep. it was Bible study. Sometimes it was let's just hang out and do nothing. Uh, well, there was a Sunday where we decided, hey, there's playoff football on, so let's gather at Megan Derek's apartment and watch the football game. Well, the football game was I believe the Kansas City Chiefs versus uh, maybe the New England Patriots I don't remember but it was the champion it was the AFC championship game the NFC championship game was played earlier that day with, by who Kyle with my New Orleans Saints and playing the Los Angeles Rams mm. and what happened was one of the worst travesties in all of sports the the there was a officiating call that should have been made that wasn't, and it cost New Orleans the game, and they ended up losing. And so after this, I have to go sit in a... I am, like, more depressed than I've ever been in my life, and I have to go sit in an apartment with Derek and a bunch of other people and watch another football game. I remember vividly watching this game going... One, I, my first thought was, Kyle's going to get his win, and B, just all up in my face about it because yep. you are a Saints fan. I'm more of a Vikings fan, not by choice, but by default. And so I knew you were going to be over the top excited, like, haha, you know, we're here. But I think after how it actually played out, I would have rather had that because I remember you walked in and said nothing. Like you walked yeah, in. That probably sounds right. Sat down the snacks and like went over to the couch and just said Nothing, and I, I, I wasn't gonna say anything because I knew just how how much of a blown call it was, like how depressing it was, and gosh, that's funny. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. But uh, anyways, I, I voluntarily brought that up. I don't. That was, that was one of the stupider things I've ever done on the podcast. Um, but I, I won't go that far. Yeah, that's true. Things. It's been twenty four episodes in, and there's already, we, we could probably do an entire show of us doing stupid stuff on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so next, next demographic that we want to talk about, uh, and, and we're kind of just, you know, naturally going through life for, for some people. Uh, but the young parents, uh, this would be, uh, couples that have, and it could be both of the couple volunteering in your ministry or just one, but this is parents who have kids, basically anywhere younger than youth ministry Yeah, I, th- I think the point with this is it's not actually young parent, it's parents with young kids. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good distinction. Parents yeah. with young kids. Um, you know, one of the things, one of, one of the biggest wins for volunteers in this age demographic is that middle school and high school students love young kids. You know, for the, the most part. Well, yes, there are exceptions, both on the student side and on the kid side. But uh, for for a lot of middle school and high school students, especially girls, a lot of them enjoy. Like, oh my gosh, your kids are awesome! Like, they will. They you'd be surprised how patient they can be. Like, hey, let's let's play this game. Let's include your kid in what we're doing. Uh, side note. 
middle school and high school students can be great babysitting resources. (laughs) If you're a youth leader, uh, you might have access to uh, some youth students that would be really good babysitters so that you can go out on a date night or honestly just get some peace and quiet. Uh, And so all of that family dynamic comes with a, a sense of energy and life that students are attracted to. And as a, as a parent of young kids, you might not necessarily feel super energetic. That's where, you know, different from the college kid who, who might have a lot of that natural energy, you might not have the natural energy, but the fact that you have young kids and you are a young family, that has a life and an energy to it that students are attracted to. I think, again, it's just a glimpse of the future. It's a glimpse of, sure. you know, maybe... I would say for the most part, yeah, I'm not trying to overgeneralize things because I don't think that's wise, but generally speaking, the females in the room have thought about their wedding day. They've thought about having kids. They've thought about having their own family one day. Guys too, and some girls don't. But when they see that, it almost becomes more attainable. It almost becomes a oh yeah, like this is actually something that's going to be a part of my life at some point. And I think that just it creates an openness. It really does. It's just it's just kind of there is. I think it's all. It's also um, they just seem more trustworthy. You know, uh, parents just for whatever reason just there's a responsibility to them. There is a maturity to them, and I just I think that naturally just builds trust with students. And uh, man, you talk about energy and the lack thereof. Like it's legitimate. I mean, if you if you have young kids, it it does it does take it out on you. And I think that is something that you just need to be aware of as a youth leader, as a youth pastor mm-hmm. is um, young parents of young kids. There is a little bit more unpredictability week to week. Odds are they're going to be bought into your ministry long-term. Their tenure is probably a little more secure than the former group we just mentioned. However, the week to week, whether it's they have kids who are sick, whether it's uh, especially in a COVID world, man, like this is, this is legitimate. Uh, events are tougher for yep. parents with young kids because they have to figure out, okay. Yeah, there's a lot more logistics that goes yeah. into them being a part of some of your, especially like an overnight event. Are my spouse and I going to both be there? Is one of them going to stay home with the kids? Yep. Can we find sitters for an overnight? All these things that go into it. And um, can I just say uh, compensation, if you can afford it in your budget, if you if you truly want parents of young kids to be there, like, Make it worth their while. Offer to, you know, put some money in for this hitter if you need them that bad. Um, because speaking as a parent of young kids, I look forward to opportunities to just be with my spouse and 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 love kids and be with them without my kids. And so it makes it a lot easier if there's the blessing of people behind you to make that happen. Yeah, we uh we in our youth ministry, we always make sure that if we have a uh, a leadership training for our youth leaders or, or something like that, that we have childcare ready uh, for the kids of any of our youth leaders um, to, to be able to, to make that a little bit easier for them. But yeah, like Derek said, that weekly unpredictability uh, is going to be a little bit more prevalent with young parents. You, you got a sick kid. Uh, there, there's just a lot more variables that, uh, that go into it. Um, all right, so let's take a look. Next category, uh, again, moving right on up the uh, the age brackets. Uh, this next one is going to be parents of youth students. Uh, you know, specific, and this is specifically parents of your youth students. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that makes this age group great youth volunteers is they're already doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have youth aged students themselves. And so that they're already doing ministry with that age group, uh, whether it's their own kids or, you know, their kids have friends. And so yep. you, those parents have some interactions on some level with the friends of their kids. And so they're, they're already kind of in the thick of things. Um, you know, this is where you start to see, depending on the age of your students, the last category, or definitely this one, uh, this is where you start to potentially see a youth student who does not have a parent that is a Christian. They, they don't have a strong Christian influence in their own home. Or a parent in general. True, 
or a parent in general. And so they can start to see you as the, the strong Christian parent that they don't have, you know, not to say like some of these kids still have great parents, but if that great parent is not a strong Christian influence in the kid's life, there's still going to be something missing. And this is where you're going to start to get into some age demographics of youth leaders that can really speak some life into that. Trust is a word we're going to continue probably to use. Trust is a massive word in any youth ministry context. And I think this demographic especially has that. You know, I think of, especially in this day and age that we live in, um, this world's a scary place. And so you're finding more and more parents who very wisely are going, I want to know where you're going, who's going to be there, what adults are present, who are yep. these parents. It's no longer just a, hey, I have fun at youth group. It's a, there's a vetting process. And so when you have, you know, parents of your youth students and those youth students have friends they want to bring who are not act members of your church, they are much more likely not only to bring that student, that student's friend with you, but if that student's friend has a great experience in your youth ministry, comes back home, says how much they love it. All of a sudden now they're more likely to come to your Sunday morning experience and be a part yeah. of your church. Yep. Like there's, there's a lot of value there. Uh, and um, you know, it's, you have the ability to, uh, I, we have a few parents of youth students in our context and I'm so grateful for their insight because they give me a true litmus test of how things are landing, how the outline is landing, how their students are going home and talking about it like legit and not just giving me the answer I want to hear. And so there is so much that, that they add. And um, I would say the toughest hurdle to overcome when it comes to, to this age group has nothing to do with the actual adults. <laughs> True. <laughs> it has everything to do with their student. And what yeah. I mean by that is, you know, odds are, I should say odds are, but odds are that by this point, that student has had their mom or dad coach their team, been to their play. Their parent has been with them and everything. And so they might love youth group because they get to be themselves without mom and dad being right over their shoulder. And so I've had a lot of conversations where it's like, hey, well, you can be a youth leader for me. And their response to me is, I would love it. I've thought about it a ton. But when I asked my son or daughter about it, they just kindly asked that I don't mm-hmm. because it's their yep. thing. Yep. And as a good parent, they respect that. Mm-hmm. And, and I respect that and I stand behind that. And so it, it really just comes down to you're protecting the student experience. You're protecting the experience that your son or daughter has, and you don't want to infringe on that by being a part of it directly. Yeah, as much as you might value that adult volunteer uh, and their potential, you have to look at the student first yep. and uh, and value that above uh, above their parent getting involved. I do the exact same thing with our mission teams. You know, it takes adults to be a part of a mission team and adult parents of students going on the trip are a great demographic to tap into for, uh, for mission teams. And, you know, I, I, I'm sharing my, I'm, I'm spilling the secret here. So hopefully I was going to say, hopefully no youth parents are listening to this, but I hope they are. So now I'm in a catch 22, but one of the things I do is I will talk to the student before I ask their parent if they want to go on the mission team. And, and I ask the student if they're okay with me asking the parent. And I think I've done this maybe five or six times. And only once did the student say, you know, I'd, I'd rather you didn't ask my parent. And in that instance, I didn't ask the parent, the parent never knew I even talked to the child, you know, like that's, that's the, I want to protect that relationship and, and their potential comfortability first before the parent, but on the same, on the flip side, sometimes if you have a parent in the situation, like you just described Derek, where, you know, their student has said, Hey, I would, you know, rather this just be my thing and you not be, you not be there every week. Some of those, uh, one-time events 
might be, you know, that parent still might, you can still keep them on the list of, Hey, we're doing this one event this one time. Can you come and be a part of drivers? Right. Where they don't have to necessarily be honing in on everything their kid is doing, but they can still help out and still be involved in some way. Smart. Yeah. And you know, I think up to this point, it's made sense. And I think a lot of, a lot of the people at this point would not necessarily say I'm too old for youth ministry. Some of them would, but I think here is where if you're listening to this podcast and your ears perked up, you are probably likely falling in one of these two categories that we're going to share next. And the first one is the empty nesters. Um, you know, you've had kids, they might've been very well been kids that went to your youth ministry before you were there or when you were first starting. And so you're, you're an empty nester at home. You're, you're on the fringe of retirement. You are enjoying the last years of your career and here comes a 20-something youth pastor saying, hey, will you come be a part of my youth ministry? And you're probably thinking, I'm too old for youth ministry. Hard pass. And here is why we would disagree with you. Uh, you as an empty nester have a lot more time than parents who still have students at home. You know, you are responsible for going to work and coming home and taking care of the house. And not that that's all a lot, because it is a lot, but you're not struggling with basketball games and theater and all the stuff that goes with having students in home. You have a lot of time. And with that, likely you're in a job where you've accrued a ton of vacation time. It's easier for you to step away for times here and there to go and do like a a camp or a mission team. You have that flexibility and that availability that isn't always as guaranteed when you are in, let's call it the middle or beginning of your career. You have that flexibility, um, you know, but it's, I think we can pick on youth pastors. I think one of the tougher points of an empty nester is Kyle, you're 27 now. 27. I'm 26. When I first started, I think something I really, really wrestled with is when I first started, I started four and a half years ago. So I was 22. Mm-hmm. I thought so many times, what? 40, 50, 60, 70 year old is going to follow and listen to anything a 22 year old says. Like there, there, there is this idea that your age all of a sudden dictates your authority. And so I think when it comes to red flags of this category, it's so important for you to understand that anointing trumps age. Mm -hmm. If God's called you to lead, if God's called you to lead this youth ministry, if God's stirring the hearts of youth leaders, that is the natural progression you're going to follow regardless of age. And so if you're going to lead volunteers older than you, you need to be confident in it and know God's chosen you for it. And it's not a power trip. It's not anything like that, but it's you ought to lead that empty nester the same way you would lead a 19 year old fresh out of your ministry. Right. And that's not to say that you should lead both of them same un, way. Un, unconfidently. Yeah, either, right. You know, they, they both need to be led confidently, but those empty nesters, like, they are experienced. And so if you do lead them confidently, they are going to respond really well to that. And, yep. and they are going to be awesome youth leaders. Yep. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it's more on the youth pastor side than the, than the volunteer side for this Correct. one. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes that lack of confidence can lead to... Uh, just a lack of, of vision with that specific youth leader. Um, all right. Last, uh, last category that we have here. Uh, and, and that is the retirees. Um, and this one goes on infinitely. Uh, you know, once you retire forever, uh, you know, this, these, these are the ones like, you know, you probably have of everybody on this list, you probably have the most time available, um, of anybody on this list. And, and like I said, with the parents of youth students, this demographic retirees can be viewed by youth students as that spiritual grandparent that they never, that they might not have. Um, or like, you know, just that grandparent that they, maybe their grandparents passed away when they were really young. And so they never really had that influence in their life. Uh, and, and I know, you know, I, I almost didn't want to say this because it's too cliche, but this demographic 
has wisdom that students want. And not even strictly spiritual wisdom. Because I've, I've yeah I, I, practical wisdom right. I mean, I've had youth leaders and, and and people even on a on a whole church level where they're newer to the faith or they mm-hmm. recommitted their faith a couple of years ago, and so they're looking at us going, "I don't have. I'm still learning myself." And it's like, awesome. Like, like let's lean into that because you're learning with the students, but at the same time, you've seen a lot of life. You've seen a lot of life lessons that aren't inherently spiritual but like our good life lessons that are worthy of being shared. And even, you know, think about the stage of life that these students are in. You take 16-year-old, you know, 16-year-old Derek, who just got his license, you know, worked really hard, got enough money to get the world's worst car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, What's what's one? Do you have a grandpa that what's your, what's your grandpa's name? Um, one, one of them. I don't care. <laughs> I had to think because a lot of them are dead. Um, <laughs> my grandpa Larry is Larry. Is, yes. Okay. Larry is a youth leader in this youth ministry, and Larry's like Derek. Like, let's get together, and I'll ch- I'll teach you how to change the oil yeah. in your car. Right. You know, Derek's really excited because he just got this car that to him is the greatest thing in the world. To everybody else, it is a piece of trash. Yep. But Derek's excited about it. And youth leader Larry comes comes in and just spends time teaching yep. Derek how mm-hmm. to change the oil in his car, which yeah. one, is super practical. Two, feeds an interest that Derek has and an interest that Larry has, like Larry f- learned how to do this at some point. Yep. So you're passing on that knowledge and that wisdom. But I don't know if you guys have ever changed oil before. It's it's not like a two-minute process. Mm-hmm. And so there's time in there. Youth students, especially high school guys, all right? High school guys will open up and talk more. And they will bond more and build more relationships when they are doing something. Yep. And so if you as a youth leader take them and like, I, you know, I'm going to stick with this analogy, but I'm going to teach you how to change the oil on your car. This is really dumb coming from my perspective because I don't know how to change the oil on my car. <laughs> Me either, man. So That's what I pay someone to do. Any any chance your grandpa Larry could come and teach us? Uh, uh, no. But I, I think that... I think that that is a great, great opportunity for just natural conversation to take place, relationship building to take place. And if it goes in a spiritual direction, awesome. If it goes in just any wisdom passing category, that's great. But I, I think that retire, and this is, this is the biggest, uh, you know, the, the, the hindrance for this group is that, retirees tend to disqualify themselves because of their perception of being out of touch. And, you know, of all of the categories here, if anybody is going to disqualify themselves because they're too old, this is the oldest category. And so they're, they're the ones that could claim it before anybody else. But even then, I think Derek, we're saying there is so much value in, in this demographic. I think it's fair to say you are out of touch. And that's good. Like hey. we, 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 we want you. Yeah. Going back to what we said at the beginning of be the episode. Be who you are. Yep. Yeah. You know, like you might not know what the latest TikTok dance is or even what TikTok is in general. Yep. And like you might think that that's, that's, a, that's a rough thing. But you know what? You, uh, going back to the oil changing thing, students might not even understand like that you need to change your oil. Right? But, like, so you're like, <laughs> like you're, you are teaching them life lessons and the reality is is that like let's just let's just be super real here gen z is continuing to see more and more non-nuclear homes which means yeah they don't have two loving parents they might not have any and so these are life lessons you might not even mention jesus once in the entirety of this conversation but you now establish a relationship where when they are going through something real, they might give you a call and then you say something that changes their world and, yep. and, and lets God move. And so, um, you know, it just, I think the point, if we were to sum up this entire age thing, relevance has nothing to do 
with your call to ministry. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Your experience, your character, your calling, all of this is the thing that qualifies you for youth ministry. And real quick, yeah, to interrupt and be really rude here. Um, Please. When you say your experience is what qualifies you to be a youth leader, we are not talking about you know, once you have been a Christian for a certain amount of years, you, right. that, that's what automatically qualifies you. And and on the flip side, if you haven't been a Christian for this long, it disqualifies you. Uh, you know, I've met plenty of people that have gone to church for 30 years that I would think would make horrible youth leaders. I've met people that have been a Christian for six months that would be on fire as a youth leader. I have never had drugs other than prescription drugs in my system in my entire life. But... I know some adults who would be great youth leaders who were addicts for years. While that experience is not experience with Jesus, it's experience I want. Because, let me... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying, all right, addicts, come on. No, I I took that as uh, you want to be in their place of being an addict. Yeah. (laughs) And I know that's not what you meant, but that's how I heard it. No, but... Like my point is there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. You it's it's hard it's hard to be empathetic if you haven't walked in the same footsteps as someone else. And so we might have that student who is addicted to drugs or alcohol and like we can be sympathetic as youth pastors who have never done it, but we don't know the struggle of what it's like to get out of that. In yeah. that in the exact situation whereas that youth leader might have because they were in your spot mm-hmm. 20 some years ago. Yeah, there's there's two really really good ways for a youth student to learn any given lesson. One is for them to make the mistake and learn from it. Two is for somebody who has made the mistake to teach them not to yeah. from personal experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's where uh, you know I think a lot of people disqualify themselves from youth ministry not you know Yes, because they're too old, but there are some people that disqualify themselves because of the life experiences that they've had, you know, on a negative side, like I, because I did this, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Some of yeah. my best youth leaders made really stupid decisions in high school. Frequently. Frequently. <laughs> and now they are my youth leaders and they tell me this is what I was thinking in high school. This, you know, what we're talking about doing as a ministry is exactly what I needed. Yeah. And and they're like, yes, we should absolutely do this. Or yeah. these this is the thought process that I had. So we should close this loophole or take this safety precaution because I know that I would have exploited it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's really good to know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what Kyle and I, I think are saying ultimately is age has nothing to do mm-hmm. with with your involvement in youth ministry. Um you know, as as we wrap it up, I think there are two just big C words that that are important when it comes to. We've we've had a whole episode on what qualifies you. We don't need to go into that, but um, your character. If you have a character that is one that is is solid, one that is anchored around going after God mm-hmm. and going after Him with all that you are, understanding you're not perfect, you're going to make mistakes, but nonetheless, you're seeking Him that character of being responsible, wise, not going to get into dangerous situations with students. That's huge. But then the second piece is calling. Don't just do it because it sounds fun. Don't just get into youth ministry because it seems like, hmm, yeah, Kyle's a cool guy. He is, he but is. that's not a good enough reason to be a youth exactly. leader. Exactly. Your wife would disagree. But Disagree that I'm not a cool. She, like she doesn't think I'm a cool guy? She knows you're not a cool she guy. She knows I am a cool guy. She she knows you're you got a great character, but cool would not be a word that I would mm. feel like Michaela would. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. You have to ask her. Let me know. Maybe maybe cool. Maybe maybe I'm cool. Cool is I'm relative. Just, you, know what, what you know what? You don't want to know what I'm definitely not is hip. The fact that you said you're not hip proves that you're not hip. I know. <laughs> but yeah, like no, like just Char- you, character is more important than desire. Yes. Just because I want to be a youth leader does not mean that that's what God has called me to. And it does not mean that that is where my character is at, where I can 
my character can't sustain it or God hasn't called me to it. Yep. You know, all three of those things have to align. That's, uh, that's really true. Um, you know, we, uh, it, we would really encourage just to close out. We really encourage, uh, any, anybody, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, maybe, maybe I do want to at least check this out. Go talk to your youth pastor, uh, at, at your church, uh, and, and just have the conversation, uh, you know, it different people volunteering in youth ministry might look a little bit different. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, if you've got a heart for youth students, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to make that happen. And your youth pastor is going to know the best context for that. But I promise, I promise, I promise you, your age does not disqualify you. Um, and so that, that does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in Uh reminder to, uh, like subscribe. I feel like I'm rattling off the end of a YouTube video. You are, uh, you know, click the subscribe button below, uh, like comment rate, uh, e- shoot us an email at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, constructive criticism or unconstructive criticism, uh, we'd love to hear it all. So, uh, beyond beyond on behalf oh boy on behalf of Derek and I uh, I think it's high time that we go get mistaken for some middle school students goodbye goodbye